everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts. Jessica. And I am Chris Eaton. Jessica, it's our second yes. anniversary. It is our second anniversary. Can you believe it's been two years already? Yes. I mean, time flies. Yeah, I mean, it just seems like yesterday we were sitting down talking about uh, our, our faithful day when we met, and then uh, all the wonderful things about Pacific Rim that had just come out, too. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, of course. Me and my 16 pages of notes. <laughs> uh, we've come a long way. We've had many a guests. We've had, uh, uh, a, you know, a, a third a member added to our to our roster, if you will. We've been to places. We're going places. Ah, it's a great time. So, yes. yay for second anniversaries. Woo! And part of it is thanks to everyone who actually does listen. And, you know, not just Jessica and I, you know, bantering with each other week after week. We actually have people who tell us that they listen. It's awesome. So, thank you. Everyone. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you to everybody who's taking the time to listen and to talk about us, especially those who ask, like, what can we do to help you guys out? And, you know, really spread the word. Spread the word. Keep listening. Um, we're working on some things. So, but uh, on that note, Jessica, oh, we got a lot to talk about this show. Oh, it's been a roller coaster <laughs> of a week, a week and a half since uh, we last sat down. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Well, we're, let's start off with some happier news before we go into the big nugget of of cluster F that that it, ugh, is legendary stuff. Okay, first off, there's <laughs> there's there's a new Ultraman short out. I know we talked about another Ultraman short in the last episode, but now there's a new one out. Yes, yes, there is, and I love this one. Animation. Mm. There were a couple moments it looked weirdly CGI, but mm. I really, really liked the animation a lot. So it's part of the uh, it's animation animation festival. It's the it's the same. Um, it's uh, Hideki Anno's um, animation short uh, series. So this is their third season. Um, we talked about it back in January when they put out that Gridman short that Steve yeah. Trigger made. Uh, this one, uh, which is called The Ultraman, is that is directed by Akitoshi uh, Yokoyama. Uh, Yoko yeah, I'm I'm probably I'm pretty sure I'm butchering the crap out of that. My my sincere apologies. But it is when I sat down and watched this thing, I I kind of I knew it was coming, and then when I was watching it, I'm like, wait a minute, this seems oddly familiar, and it is oddly familiar. And why is that, Jessica? Uh, because it is actually off of a manga a long time ago with Milos in it. Yes, a manga-only Ultraman who had a kick-ass set of armor and, like, a really creepy face, like, almost old samurai Oh, face God. Break. Yeah, the face was creepy. Oh, creepy. So, in, in Japan, it was released as the Ultraman. Why, that's why it has the title. But in the early to mid-'90s, when a little company called Viz was really kind of breaking out into the uh, mainstream comic scene, before they would put out, you know, the manga collections we know today, you know, the the thick, you know, 100 to 200 page, you know, collections of, you know, weekly mangas, they would actually put this stuff out in a full-on comic book form. Like, it was a full 32-page 
black. It was black and white, but they would release it over here as that because at that time they're like, nobody's gonna buy a digest size, you know, graphic novel. <laughs> That's just insane. Lo and behold, like five years later, like everybody was buying this stuff. But at the time, though, they were putting out, you know, stuff like Battle Angel Alita, um, Crying Freeman, uh, uh, Bio Booster Armor, Guyver, pr- pretty much everything I like just ate up as a kid like that I really shouldn't have been reading at the age of 10 but I was anyway and at the time uh, they put out a mini series called Battle of the Ultra Brothers which was the, which was the first half of this uh, manga called The Ultraman so uh, Jessica uh, can you give the people just a quick kind of like digest size ver- uh, kind of like rundown of what this story was well, at least for the, it was basically, you know, kind of military. Did you want me to talk about it in the story or what happens in the Ultraman short? A little both, because they, they kind of go hand in hand. Because the, okay. short, the short's pretty much the digest version of the, of the six-part um, series that, of the first half. I, I know it's breaking down into like a pie chart of <laughs> what Viz released, though. So okay, yeah, yeah, there you go. Okay, well, well, it's very Melis is very, very um, ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who know Greek mythology and culture, basically, it's a protagonist who kind of sacrifices or puts his life on the line mm-hmm. to save his friend. Mm-hmm. But that is that that's different. That's more like ancient Greece. Mm-hmm. So, in the Ultraman Melis one. It's more meant of he puts his life on the line for other Ultramen in order to defeat the Jackal King. Mm-hmm. So the Ultraman anime short kind of shows that, more or less. Yeah. And But it shows a little bit more. It shows, you know, the Ultra Brothers, the Jackal Aliens, mm-hmm. and everything. So it was, it was done, you know, relatively well. It was a great anime kind of homage to it. Which, uh, considering of all things that they could have adapted to Ultraman, th- this was um, this was something interesting to take and, and animate. I mean, it, 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 it's yeah. beautifully done. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It's got a, a, a very late 70s kind of animation style to it, like where you still kind of see a lot of like heavy inking and stuff on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right. But, uh, it's also kind of nice to see an anime of Ultraman after, God, it's been going on thirty years now since uh, the Toei one. So you know, yeah, it's always something I always always wondered. It's like why didn't why didn't uh, Subaraya pursue, uh, pursue this you know more? But I guess it was just a matter of you know budget or just they weren't ever interested. So yeah, 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 and it and it. You know they did it because I think it was popular in Japan. Mm-hmm. Just to just to let you guys know, like the the some some of it that you guys actually know from Greece is actually completely different because mm-hmm. you know it it involves a wedding and one friend instead of you know everything. It's got a king. It's not there. It's a little bit different, but the overall tone is it's about unwavering friendship. Yeah, or friendship. Mm-hmm. Between different people, if you if you want to do that, and... um, it's actually also a retelling of several other stories. Hmm. So, yeah, because there's something very similar also called Damon and Pythias, mm-hmm. or 
or Fintius, if you want to call it, which is also kind of about unwavering friendship, which is more like, I'm going to kill your buddy if you don't return. So, you know, it's all that stuff, which is a little bit different than the Ultraman short, but much like saying it follows after Romeo and Juliet, a lot of stories are very similar where two star-crossed lovers come together and then they die. Uh, in that one, Ultra 7 isn't, you know, kicking the crap out of a bunch of uh, aliens in it, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, when people say it's it's, it's an homage to something, it's, it's similar in terms of tone and storyline. So if you guys are watching this and you guys are like, nothing like the Greek thing, um, that's, that's not. That's, I mean, it's just similar in terms of that. But the animated short does really great uh, homage to it as well. The great, yeah, the anime short was really, really good. I watched it actually several times because I love the part of the actual battle scenes and the action sequences. Mm-hmm. Also, the faces are drawn so creepy. <laughs> so, so creepy. I don't know how many times you watched it. Actually, I watched it the first time in Japanese and then finally found the English button and then watched it the second time in English. Yeah, I just watched it. Um, they, <clears throat> on, the, uh, on the official animation short site, they... They just put it up straight streaming Japanese, and then when it goes to uh, YouTube, uh, that's when they put up all the uh, the subtitles. So, no, there's subtitles on the actual website. Okay, then I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, there's both. Yeah. <laughs> People can go to both. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm I'm I I I couldn't figure it out for life. Me, I as much as I love Japanese Japanese culture, I cannot. I could never comprehend the language. I tried to. I tried to. My um, nascent early twenties were spent trying to learn Japanese, and it failed miserably. So, oh, jeez. Mm-hmm. I know. Some, well, someone explained. I don't like, have the gifts of my mother. Yeah. It, well, I mean, you got. You, I mean, you were raised in a bilingual house. I'm a you know fat white guy. Always spoke was English, and I never put any effort into learning another language. Even when I took Spanish in freaking high school, you, you would assume. A guy living in Southern California would speak a little bit of Spanish. I learned Gato and Bono, and that was it. And I just coasted in that class, just, you know, BSing my way through a bunch of projects. Let's just say I did not pass my second semester. Oh, geez. But mm. you know what, though? I don't think it has anything to do with, so. I mean, it might be so far for where you're raised, but also how hard you, how hard you work at it to memorize it or whether you're just gifted like my mother's gifted mm-hmm. so she speaks reads and writes like 14 languages Good Lord. i it does not it's not genetic mm-hmm. it is not hereditary mm-hmm. i do not know that many languages <laughs> and i tried to learn and it was like a disaster i i i know i learned like hello goodbye in japanese maybe just hello mm-hmm. or is it just no not even ho- wait yeah hello goodbye and like thank you mm-hmm. and i know all the food terms yeah so, like, that's it. All this out of Ultraman and my inability to read the website to, see, to get the subtitles. <laughs> yeah, it's, for those who are going to the actual website, which I'm sure Chris will put a link down below, mm-hmm. it is the upper right-hand corner. It'll say Japanese and English, and you press on English, the page will reload. And on the bottom, it'll say Japanese or English subtitles, and you just press the English button and make sure that it's on there. Well, look at that. I learned something. <laughs> so yeah, but it is awesome. It brought back a lot of a lot of nascent memories when my dad would take me to uh, his buddy's comic book store, and he actually carried these 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 books. So 
I had a good chunk of them. I lost a few of them. I think I still got the last issue floating around here somewhere. So I went online on Amazon to try to maybe like, you know, reconsolidate them, and they want like thirty bucks a pop for these things now. I'm like, yeah, I don't need them that bad. So I'll just find scans online. Right, 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 right. But um, how? What did you? What did you think about the overall like design and story of the? Uh story of the animated short. Oh, it was it was fantastic. It, it, again, it's good to see <coughs> much, much like the Gridman short. It, I'm, it's, it, I'm, I'm kind of happy to see that, you know, all these animators are still, are essentially huge nerds and are just doing kind of like, hey, wouldn't this be cool to do this? And that's pretty much what they're doing. So, someone, t they took a comic book, which probably would have never been adapted into any other medium. They're like, you know what? Let's do this. Let's give this Ultraman who's never been represented in any sort of moving form and give him his time in the light. So, so that, that, that was nice. It took me like a minute or two. I'm like, wait a minute, that's the job. And then it clicked to me what I was watching. So and then all the memories came flooding back and I'm just like, Oh my God, what have I done with my life? I'm 31. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, You've done I a, wonderfully, Chris. Yeah, I, I had a minor mental breakdown, and then I went to work, so. Oh, God, you did this before work? <laughs> I watched it at, like, 3 in the morning when it, when it, like, popped online over here, so. It was, oh, uh, damn, you were up late for that. Yeah, yeah, I keep, I keep late hours right now, so. All right, well, moving on. Jessica. Yes. Production on the next Toho Godzilla movie has begun. Yes, it does. We saw, I mean, I saw it through uh, Rocket English, mm -hmm. whatever that website is, mm -hmm. and it was like just picture stills of people screaming on the street and running. I mean, they're acting. It's, yeah. it's extras. Mm -hmm. But I just, there's just something amusing about large crowds of people running and screaming. Not in real life. Mm -hmm. I'm talking in terms like when you're watching like behind the scenes because yeah. it's so fun watching them scream and run <laughs> so anyway uh, about a week and a half ago production started on what is currently being called Shin Godzilla Hideki Anno and Shinji Higuchi are on set and they look like two of the biggest kids getting to play with the biggest toys that you've ever seen when you see these videos of them on while they're filming um it's it, it it it's it, it feels. <coughs> I mean, here's the thing. So, uh, for those who might have been old enough to remember, or I mean, I mean, God, it's been 15 years since uh, Godzilla 2000 came out, which just blows my mind. It's been 10 years since Final War, so the Millennium series would be the last thing of any sort, especially during the uh, the that was the first one of the internet age. So. Um, back in the day, uh, Toho would put out a Godzilla movie in December, and it would ramp up, and then, bam, it would come out. And then in January, you got the announcement for the very next Godzilla movie. You got, uh, publicity right up front. You got the poster, you got the title, you got the monster that he's fighting, you got the cast, the director, <coughs> everything. And... Pretty much, it kind of took away. Uh, you know, it, it built a lot of anticipation because you're like, "Oh man, what, 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 what's coming next? Is this gonna be the movie Angulus is finally gonna come back in?" You know, there was a lot of that. Is it gonna be a new monster? Uh, you know, and especially in the early days of online, a lot of speculation. Oh, it was good times. And then you had 
you know, nine and a, ten months to kind of just wait for them to film, and then, you know, scans from magazines to start slowly coming out. And then eventually they ramp up, you get a trailer, and then, boom, movie come out, wash, rinse, repeat. That's how it went. So, there is a kind of a bit of spoilage in the fact that we're like, we just were kind of spoon-fed everything right up front, and we got to know everything right up front, we knew who was doing what, and it was just a matter of seeing the movie over time. Toe is going about it um, almost in the American fashion, where the only thing we know really about it is the fact that Ano and Higuchi are, are doing it, and that's about it. Like, they haven't announced a cast yet, they haven't announced, they haven't shown any designs yet. We know nothing. And as far as we know, Shin Godzilla, which I believe translates to New Godzilla, is just the current working title of the film. Although they did leave the Shin Godzilla, it actually would be a cool title. I actually, I, I dig that title. And I do too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so refreshing not to know anything right off the bat. I mean, we're just seeing behind the scenes stuff, but it's just like, yeah, they're filming people riding and stuff, but it's like, the beauty is, they're not doing the effects right now. <clears throat> we have no idea what anything's going to We don't even know there's another monster in the film. But that's, <clears throat> it's almost like a weight's lifted off. It's like, it, it's they're making us earn it, and the fact that it's not being shoved out at the you know by the end of this year too, it feels nice. It's like Toho's like, oh no, we don't, we're not, we're not doing one again next year. We're just gonna do the one, and then we're gonna wait and see how Legendary does, and then if this one does well, we'll do another one. You know, just they're running it like 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 a like a Hollywood film, and just making everyone wait, and I love it. It's just like oh, just thank you. I don't I. I can wait, like, you can dull out little bits at a time, you know, the, it's fun to speculate, that's what, I mean, that's what we do on, you know, online, that's what everyone does, everyone jumps, right now, the consensus with the, with fan communities online is everyone, the second they see something they don't like, they automatically crap on it, the film's gonna suck, blah, blah, all this stuff, everyone just goes for, like, everything sucks, everything, you know, what, but show it to me right now, before it's even done. The fact that they're not doing that, just, it's, it's nice. So much secrecy have had. It is. It is. It is nice. And uh, well, the only thing that really came out was the fact that all the extras got a, uh, coll- a commemorative uh, mug from being on the set, which has a weird kind of outline of Godzilla on it and the uh, just the, the Godzilla in the, the in the kanji. And that's it. That's all we got. There's nothing else. We got that footprint for the uh, for the publicity material, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, it probably won't be until, gosh, uh, maybe December or January before we even see a design, before we even see a poster. I mean, it's uh, it's good. It's just energizing to see it again. And, not, you know, the fact that Toho's doing doing this again, but they're actually going kind of out of the way. They're, they're giving someone like uh, Hideki Anno the reins to do it and, you know, Shinji Aguchi. I mean, I, I know people right now are kind of, the ones that have seen it, I mean, it's coming out here in two weeks. Uh, by the time you hear this, uh, Attack on Titan. Uh, so. Yes, yes, it is. There are tickets available mm-hmm. in select cities. I mean, look for your cities online. Yeah. And uh, there, uh, it is part one and part two. Yes, part two actually, I believe, comes out in Japan this weekend. And part one is out, and it's uh, <clears throat> out in other means. Uh, I'm not saying what, but if you look, you could probably find it. 
Well, yes. Or or you can, if you guys want, you guys, there. it is in your local theaters. Yeah, then well, you watch yeah. part one. I believe, like, part two comes out two weeks later. It comes out, yeah, three weeks later. It comes out, part one's the 29th, and part two is the 20th of October over here. But part two comes out in Japan this weekend. So part one came out uh, beginning of last month. And, yeah, much like, uh, well, just about any other, like, it, it got it kind of got dumped on, like, Avengers 2 got dumped on, where <clears throat> people were nitpicking certain things, much like everyone, how everyone forced Joss Whedon off Twitter because they didn't like the whole Black Widow, you know, explanation little story she gave, and everyone's just kind of crapping on Attack on Titan because they had to make changes from the anime to the movie. And when I ask people, it's like, well, you know, this goes on in the manga, and they're like, wait, what? I'm like, most people I've talked to have never picked up the manga. They've only watched the anime. And I'm just like, you know, there's like 70 volumes on this thing right now. It is as thick of a, as a phone book, and even if they whittled it down to two films, they wouldn't even tell the, a quarter of the story if they went the way that they wanted to. Um, yeah. I, I yeah. saw part one. Uh, I'm not saying how, but I saw it. I actually enjoyed it. Uh, mind you, I'm not married to the material. Uh, I've read, I've only seen a few episodes of the anime, but I have read the manga all the way up to the current uh, chapter. I haven't read any of the side ones. I just read the main one. I enjoy it. It's not, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but it is fun. And it's got giant, creepy monsters and people finding them in, like, you know, a weird kind of alternate Germany. So, and that's... <laughs> hearing everyone complain that the fact that the characters aren't white when we have sat... Jessica, how many movies have we sat through in the last five years where everyone complains about the whitewashing of characters? So, so many. It's yes. countless. So when... a Japanese studio makes a Japanese movie from a Japanese manga <laughs> and people are complaining uh, that the characters don't match their respective race, all of a sudden everyone's got their panties in a knot. And it's like, you, nobody can win. <laughs> nobody can freaking win. No, oh, no one wins. That's, this is why we can't have nice things, people. This, this is definitely right. And part of the thing is people, I, I think people really think that Warner Brothers is making it because they, they keep, uh, especially uh, Funimation, when they push the uh, the movie, they push, you know, from the studio that brought you Godzilla. A lot of people are assuming, <laughs> and I know for a fact because I've asked, I, I've, I've asked people online, it's like, wait, do you really think that, you know, Legendary and Warner Brothers have made this? Like, yeah, it's just people made Godzilla. It's like, no, no, they're talking about the Japanese studio. It's like, oh, is that why it looks the way it does? I'm like, yes, because the movie's made on like $12 million. It's, a fraction of the, uh, of the budget. So, that's part of the problem. There seems to be a weird laziness when, when it comes to this this portion of fandom. It's, I'm like, you're watching an anime. You would, I would assume you have some sort of, you know, uh, I, I, idea of how the Japanese film industry works if you're into this stuff, and you're just... It seems all you're doing is just you're eating the ice cream right out of the bin and not even looking at the ingredients that goes into it. If that makes an apt, uh, uh, you know, equation right there. So, that aside, I like Attack on Titan. It is different from the uh, from the the manga, but much like Battle Royal, how much it, it in itself is different from its other two, the, the 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 manga and the book, and it works on its own, stands on its own. 
The other problem is it's a two-part movie, much like Kill Bill. Wait till you see the uh, the second half, which you know no one has yet, to really make a final decision. <clears throat> with that being said, with that being I'm sorry. With that being said, the effects were freaking awesome in it. So I'm completely I'm I, I'm happy as hell that that Higuchi is doing the effects. So many people I know were like, no, why are you watching the movie? Mm. The effects are terrible. The production is so bad. And it's the exact same type of thought that goes into people who don't want to watch Doctor Who. Yes. Because the Daleks or all the production just looks really cheap or well, really bad. It, and then there's just like, you know, I thought England was a first world country. I thought Japan was so great in technology. I'm mm. like, yes, but it's about money, manpower, finances, years of production. I mean, mm. like, how their entertainment industry works. Yeah. And I'm saying what you don't think about is the overall story. And so Doctor Who overall story is great. Mm-hmm. It is wonderful. And Attack on Titan overall is refreshing to me because I know not every single manga is about it and anime is about it. I like ones that are not about yokai and demons. Mm-hmm. So this is something that's a little bit different, at least for me. That's why I also like Tiger and Bunny. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's more superhero-like. So I think this is good for people who just kind of want something different. Yes. And just like it for what it is. Also, those teeth are really scary on those Titans. I don't, even if it's poor production, you probably still can't sleep at night. Look, so... the, the Titans themselves are rendered fantastically. Like, they're, they're, they're a nice mixture of, of practical effects, so people in makeup, with uh, some slight CG modification. Uh, the Aaron, the end, well, you know, spoiler, the movie ends. Uh, with Aaron's first transformation. So, uh, if you're, you know, it, it's, it's, which is only the halfway point of the story. When that happens on screen, it turns into an R-rated version of War of the Gargantuas, and I ate it up. I loved it. So, <laughs> Yay! Yes, which, I, because I love War of the Gargantuas, which, by the way, if you're listening to this and you're in Denver this weekend at the Alamo Draft House, August Rigoni is hosting a double feature of, uh, uh, War of the Gargantuas and Monster Zero. So, if you're in the Denver area, go to the Animal Draft House. I'll put a link in the show notes. But that's, I believe, this Saturday. <laughs> that being said, yes, uh, the Titan fights awesome. The, the movie's very R. Uh, Attack on Titan is very R-rated, so they didn't shy away from any of the blood, any of the the gore. I mean, you see people getting eaten. You see arms flying. Um, the 3D maneuver, yeah, I figured those were going to look a little weak because you can only do so much with green screen. And, yeah, I mean, they don't have the $250 million to make them look like Spider-Man swinging through the uh, through New York. Which, even when you watch the Spider-Man movies and you're like, this costs 200 and like something million? I'm like, good God, where do they put the money? Uh, yeah, it's it's it has its limitations. It's still a fun movie. And the the monster effects are really kind of what you're there for, and they work very well. So, um, the only there's only there's one scene that was a little off, and I think they used a puppet for the um, Aaron Titan's head because he's got what's um, he's got the Glasgow you know smile, you know, kind of like how Joker had where his, where his mouth's cut, so his jaw hangs down more. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a scene when he's up close and he's kind of roaring and. It was like the one shot I'm like, uh, okay, maybe you should have maybe pulled the camera back just a little bit on that one. But other than that, 
Everything else was great. Arms were flying. They were ripped. You know, it was just gore everywhere as they were... Which is, you don't see that in a giant monster film. So, essentially, Higuchi made an R-rated giant monster movie. And God bless him for it. So, I can't wait for part two. Um, because it looks just... It, that's really where it looks like they deviate and just kind of made their own thing. Much like the Death Note movies that uh, <laughs> uh, Susuke Kanenko made uh, of Gamera fame. Which, Shinji Higuchi did the effects for those films. So, it all comes back around in a big circle. Um... Anyway, yes. So I'm very curious to see what he's taking from Attack on Titan and applying it to Godzilla. And uh, still... oh yes, yes. I mean they're they are giants. They're yes. both largish creatures. Yes, but I mean Higuchi used a knife. I mean, pretty much the beauty about the Titans they're just they're people with no genitalia. Like there's no there's no you can tell they're men and women, but there's like no sexual deviation between them because they're just basic, kind of like like a Ken doll. And yeah, I mean, they yeah. got, there's some, there's some, uh, you know, some of them are modified where they got like a giant bloated gut hanging off of them, and you know, their faces are kind of tweaked, look really freaky. <coughs> but I mean, it's still a lot of suit and you know makeup effects. Now, applying that to Godzilla, you got to create a whole suit and everything, so that so it's still gonna be very interesting what he's taken from his approach from Gamera, almost, I mean. It's it's twenty years since Gamma Guarding the Universe, and sixteen I want to say for since um, Event of Virus or Revenge of Virus, and uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be fascinating the next few months because uh, it's <laughs> I know everyone's waiting with bated breath what what the new Godzilla is gonna look like in action too. And everyone's, I've already seen everyone's kind of like rendition. They're real thin, real super spiky, you know. Mm, it might be going a little too far with that, but, you know, we'll see. I'm more curious to whether or not there's going to be another monster in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing I'm holding my breath on. It's like, uh, don't, don't, don't. We've we, we gotten two movies, actually, technically three movies where he's just on his own. So, give us something else. He needs to be beating the crap out of something. Yes, yes, very true. So we'll keep following, you know, as the movie keeps filming. But right now, it's just a bunch of people running through the streets and two men in their late 40s, early 50s, looking like the biggest, you know, sixth graders in the world having the having the time of their lives. Um, if you There's a picture I posted on the top of our Facebook page of them. I think it was either... It's, yeah. It was a publicity photo from... Uh, tokusatsu um, uh, exhibit that they put on and it was right before they went to production Godzilla and they there's just like a sun beaming around them it is the greatest picture ever that's why I made it the header picture it is, I love it so I wait with bated breath to see what they offer us <sighs> alright Jessica you ready yes uh, I am <laughs> Oh my God! What the what? The last twenty. It was an emo- It was emotional roller coaster, people. Well, let's start from the beginning. Last Friday, uh, I believe was. Yeah. Uh, as you and I are prepping to go to the Long Beach Comic Con. Yes. Yes, we are. Uh, news broke that Legendary was moving uh, Kong Skull Island. From Universal, the company, the studio they're currently partnered with, over to Warner Brothers, the studio they had just left. 
Which everyone was like, huh, that's odd. Why would they do that? Of course, what was the very first speculation, Jessica? Uh, I was just going to say something was wrong. Mm. I don't know what other people's first speculation was. I I can't say for others. Well, I just I I just was like, oh god, something something is terribly well, gone wrong. Let's do the math. Warner Brothers, Legendary, still uh, they moved away from Warner Brothers for a reason. Yes, they did. They still they have did. A, they still have a kind of a working relationship with them because they have two properties over there still. They they want to make more and they plan on making more. They have to work with them. One of those is three hundred. Yeah, and the other one is a movie we covered extensively last year, which would be Pacific Rim. No, no, not that one. Oh no, God. Yeah. Oh, Godzilla. Yes. I mean, twenty fourteen. Yes. Yes. So, the move to Warner Brothers for Kong had people like, "Wait, where's this going?" And yes. Yes. <laughs> Which everyone jumped on the, oh my god, they're setting up a Kong versus Godzilla. They're setting up like the Kong shared, versus Godzilla, yeah. Yes, they're setting up the shared universe. Now, when Legendary announced they were going to make a Kong film, everyone's like, oh my god, they're going <laughs> to they're gonna build to it. Which, even at that time, I was like, they're at Universal. Godzilla's still at Warner Brothers. Uh, it's not going to look real likely that's ever going to happen. As much as we would love to dream that that would ever happen again, it's probably not. So, the move, you know... Uh, stoked those flames. A lot of people were like, oh my god, it's it's going to happen. And there were a lot of people coming out, it's like, well, hold on a second, just slow your horses, there's probably not, this is probably, you're reading too much into something. Uh, the way it sounded like Universal gave Legendary their blessing to move to Warner Brothers, because they're like, you guys go handle it, whatever. Smash cut to yesterday. <laughs> and all hell broke loose. Oh, oh it did. It did. Also, I just want to say, with that, it was just a speculation. Yes. Like, uh, I figured, like, oh, okay. You know, I I personally don't think Kong versus Godzilla would happen, mm -hmm. but it was always a speculation that it might. Yeah. I mean, so, it, 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 I, I was it, leaning towards no. Yeah, but it going to Warner Brothers led a little more, like, okay, there's something a little more solid here other than just wishful fan thinking. It's like, hmm. They're both at the same studio now, and they're all about team-ups right now. Let's see where this goes. And so I'm like, maybe there's something at work here. So, you, everyone, the internet wakes up yesterday morning to this terrible headline. And Jessica, what was it? Oh, Pacific Rim 2 has been halted for indefinitely. And much like Obi-Wan felt a thousand cries screamed out and they were almost just silenced immediately. Oh, oh my God. I, I pulled a Luke Skywalker finding out but Vader was dead. Mm -hmm. um, with that, with, with, I have both my hands, though. But um, I was like, no. Oh, a lot of us were. Because it seemed like it was, it was when we found out they were going to do a second one, we like, oh, my God. It, it, dreams do come true. Like, there's, there's hope. There's hope in this world. Like, they're going to do it. They're going to make another one. And they're going to make an animated series. And it's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. And, you know, Guillermo was like, I'm going to make my, you know, haunted house movie. And then I'm going to go back. And then more monsters and, and giant robots are going to fight each other. And I was just like, yes, please give us more. Oh, my God. Your accent was amazing. I've listened to man talk many times. So. And, oh, my God. Yes. So, 
when <laughs> this came up, it was like, oh my god, can this guy not catch a break for a freaking film? The last ten years, or eight, actually no, about eight years, post Hellboy 2, everything has just been, everyone loves, for the most part, everyone loves Guillermo del Toro. They're like, he's a visionary filmmaker, makes these poetic monster films where the monsters sometimes aren't even the monsters in the movie. And, you know, then he makes his awesome little, you know, action films and stuff like that. And she's like, the man can do no wrong. Then he signed on to do The Hobbit. And he signed on at a point when the rights weren't even locked in. And MGM was going through a lot of crap at the time. So he spent, I think, two and a half years of his time, post-Hellboy 2, Developing The Hobbit, writing it, sitting down with Peter Jackson, you know, like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to have the big, big goddamn dragon come out and, you know, the little hobbit stab him and all this stuff and all these monsters and everything. It was going to be this spectacle. Everyone's like, yes, this is a perfect companion piece. Guillermo's going to do two (laughs) Hobbit films and it's going to go, it's going to look great against, you know, the Lord of the Rings films that Peter Jackson gave us. Awesome. Bring it on. And then... He's like, no, I gotta back out. It's not. I, I've had my family in New Zealand for almost three years. Nothing's moving. I gotta go do something else. So he moves on, moves on to Universal to develop a a, a close passion project of his called at uh, at the Mountains of Madness, a HP Lovecraft. Yep, story. yep. Very famously, that was gonna be like he was promoting that as like his next big film. There was a bunch of stuff around it where it's like, oh man, he's like, he's been developing this for years. This is one of his like, this has been one of his goals is to make this movie since ever he started filming. Uh, you know, and mind you, he was announcing uh, about fifteen other projects in between that, including he was going to do a Frankenstein film based on Bernie Wrightson stuff. He was going to do a new Pinocchio movie. He had um, a movie okay, called Justice League Dark. Justice yeah, League Dark. Kinds, but- Justice League Dark that came out of a freaking internet rumor. Someone's like, hey, I heard you were going to do this movie. He's like, no. And then he came back two days later. He's like, you know what? That sounds like a really good idea. I'm going to go pitch that. And it it came to be. It was the, yeah. the, it was the greatest he, example. Uh, oh, my God. He is the Henry Cavill of directors. Yes, he is. He, the internet literally wilts, almost willed something into existence for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> as much as they like to, as much oh as the internet loves God. to try to will things into existence. In nine times out of ten, never happens. This one actually almost happened. It was the closest thing that they've ever gotten to it. And then there was there was a project in there. He a small like Spanish film he wanted to do called Saturn and the End of the World. It's about a little girl walking home as a giant meteor is about to crash into Earth. It sounded like a like a a very fairy tale esque film. So all that, and then of course Hellboy three rumors all the way in through that. But he's like, no, no, I'm going to do at the Mountains of Madness, and Tom Cruise is coming in. We're going to do all this stuff. So. That comes in, and around that time, he gets, you know, there's rumors that he's, you know, producing a project for Legendary, tentatively titled Pacific Rim. And uh, they're like, he's going to produce this, and, you know, he's going to make a Mountains of Madness, and it's going to be great. Much like a lot of other films in the last few years that almost get made, Universal got cold feet at the last second and pulled the plug on the damn thing. You know what, though? Despite all of that, he is the most cheerful, optimistic person I have ever seen, mm-hmm. at least in public. Oh, very much so. Um, I actually met, I ran into him at um, a Scott Pilgrim screening at the Egyptian Theater. 
about three days after this news broke. And so, um, I, uh, my friend and I ran out back so we can get our stuff signed. He was out there with Edgar Wright and Brian Lee O'Malley. So I brought my Blade 2 DVD. I'm like, oh, man, I got to sign it. So he's signing. He's, he's super nice. And I'm like, hey, man, you know, it's like, what's going on with Mountains of Madness? He's like, oh, no, no. The rat bastards, you know, they they pulled it out from under me. I'm like, oh, man, that sucks. He's like, yeah, you know, I wanted to do all this big stuff and, you know, everything. I'm like, oh, that's, that's too bad. He's like, yeah, you know, I got other stuff going. Oh, I'm, I'll be fine. So it's like, uh, you could tell he was kind of crestfallen about it because it seemed like something he really wanted to do, like when he was talking about it. <laughs> but it also seemed like, yeah, I got other stuff I can do. I'll, I'll be fine. And lo and behold, three days later, he's announced as the director for Pacific Rim. So, that's history right there. As much as he tried, and as much as everyone tried, Pacific Rim didn't really do that great here. And, you know, it did okay. But China, they hated up. Oh my god, it was like heroin to them. They're like, yes, give us more. More giant robots, more giant monsters. They, It's akin to the last Terminator film. Over here, did okay. Didn't do great. Didn't set the world on fire. China, it might as well have been a new form of crack cocaine that they put over there. Because China was just like, yes, more Arnold, more all of this, just give it to us. And so, with Pacific Rim doing gangbusters in China, when uh, Legendary moved to Universal, like, hey, look, we got this. It did phenomenally overseas. Eh, let's give it a little budge. You know, come on, let's do another one. And Universal at the time, Said yes. In that, in in the time when it was about, I think, uh, was it April of this year that we talked about, it, or was it April last year? I think for for which one, Pacific Rim? Pacific Rim two, yeah. Oh, this this year it was because this year. it was a very very late announcement, and people were waiting for bigot breath for a really really long time. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it was this year. They announced it. We all rejoiced. Um, Universal, this was like one of the first major projects uh, that Legendary was getting off the ground at Universal after Kong. Um, you know, they, mind, they were coming on other stuff. So, Universal coming off a horrendous string of failures left and right. They were the only studio, there was, a, I think, a piece in Variety about them being the only studio that didn't have any sort of like real comic franchise, any franchise that they could anchor to. Like, they were just trying to throw stuff, anything out the wall, see what stuck. They had uh, a big hit with uh, Despicable Me. So they're like, okay, this is our gravy train. We're writing this. And then the Fast and the Furious franchise took off. And so this past year, they had just, they, they had, they, they've had a year they have not seen since the, like, the days when Spielberg was walking around uh, on their studio. They had, uh, so they had Minions this summer, they had Fast and Furious se- uh, 7, and they had a little movie called uh, Jurassic World. And then to top off that cake, there's a little cherry on top called Straight Out of Compton. All those movies made six uh, sick amount of money. Like, even Disney was like, wow, you guys, wow, you guys did really good. Like, yeah, suck it. So... According to this article, uh, <laughs> it seems like Universal was like, "Oh, we're doing fine on our own. We, we we're you know we got we got a good plate set here, and maybe we don't need to be making a sequel to a film that kind of did mediocre business over here. And 
Yeah, your Kong movie doesn't really seem like it's kind of got its act together, so why don't you take it somewhere else? Like, we're, we're good. So, that led to the news of, it being, of Pacific Rim 2 being postponed, and then this piece that came out from The Hollywood Reporter gave the, the what apparently is the big story behind everything. So, uh, turns out Thomas Tall, for as much as uh, filmmakers love him, because he's just like, he's apparently a very pro filmmaker guy, very big geek. Everyone's like, yeah, yeah, he's, he's all great for these ideas. Apparently he rubs a lot of executives the wrong way. Uh, kind of, it sounds like he's uh, can be a bit of a smarmy asshole. And uh, when Universal, when Universal teamed up with Legendary, part of their contract was they had to release two films that Legendary had sitting in uh, their docket from their Warner Brothers time, which were Seventh Son and Black Cat. And mind you, those movies are already made; they're already in the can. It didn't cost Universal a dime to make them, but they still had to release them, so that cost them a little money. Both those movies did. Def- oh my God, they did terrible business. <laughs> And it didn't hurt. It didn't help that both of them were not good movies either. I've, I watched both. I, I thought Black Hat was gonna be like it's Michael Mann. It's Thor. How can you? How can you go wrong? Oh, they went very wrong, Jessica. I did not see that one. I was gonna oh, ask you how that one was. It is. I'm like, what, Michael? Whoa, what? Do we? Do you need to go back to Miami Vice? Do you need to find yourself again? It was bad. Very bad. It was like. It was like '90s cliche hacker stuff with Thor running around. Like, so you have this like six foot six uh, brick house of a human being. And he's one of the greatest hackers on the face of the earth. It's like, yeah, I'm not buying this at all. Like, it was just so ham-fisted. And Michael Mann's kind of like new, where he uses an HD cam he bought at uh, Best Buy. Really didn't help the movie much either. And then Seventh Son, which, you know, my dad was hyped to see this film. He's like, oh, my God, son, this looks awesome. It's like big monster stuff. It's like, oh, it's like a Harryhausen film. It's like, yeah, it does look like a Harryhausen film. We get in there, and we watch, and he watch, and he's like, that was not a Harryhausen film. That was not what the previews made it out to be, which was sad because I actually had a lot of hope for that film. It pretty much turned into another failed fantasy uh, f- you know, franchise. It, it was obviously something they were trying to build something out of, and the pieces definitely were not put together right. And I think Legendary knew, and they're just like, let's, let's just get it out there and get it over with. So, when Legendary came in, they backed, they, they wrote 25% of the budget for Jurassic World, so that got their names on it. And then they put up 50% for Straight Outta Compton. So, um... One they had a small hand in, the other one they had a very big hand in. And according to the Hollywood Reporter article, when Jurassic World made more money than anything else on the face of the earth, uh, I guess the executives didn't like the fact that Thomas Toll was taking a lot of credit for it. So that kind of led to them telling Toll to kind of skedaddle with a few of his things like, yeah, we really don't, we're doing fine on our own. We, we, we don't need so much of your money. Even though. Technically, they do, um, because uh, if you know anything about Hollywood nowadays, studios do not fund most of their films anymore out of their own pocket. They go in partnerships with production companies. So whenever you see, whenever you sit down a movie, those opening credits receive those title cards for you know five different other companies. They're the ones that really put the money out for said film. So 
they're reaping the profits off of it as much as any as much as the studio is. So when a movie makes a hundred million dollars, whoever put the money up for that is they're giving up that pie. So I mean that, that's what the game has turned into. So now uh, we have Pacific Rim two on hold, and the but that that was that was the downtrodden part. The part that was kind of like almost the exact opposite was the news of why uh, uh, Kong went over to Warner Brothers. And it pretty much confirmed everyone's conspiracy theory. And that is that, yes, indeed, they, well, Legendary is building a, a movie with the two. Which uh, seems like a no-brainer. Especially in this day and age where everybody's crossing over with everybody. Why not do another Kong and Godzilla film? You know, just like a Wonder Woman movie, I'll yeah. believe it when I see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it, look, I, I can't disagree with you on that. I cannot disagree with you on that at all. But uh, a lot of people, a lot of the fan speculation online was like, uh, pff, they can't do a Kong movie with Godzilla. He's, Godzilla's so much bigger than Kong. It's like, I wanted to bash my head against the keyboard so hard at this asinine argument that people are making why Godzilla and King Kong cannot team up in a new movie. First off, people, as much as we love to really embrace our favorite characters and everything like that, they're fictional characters. Fictional characters. They can be shaped and molded to whatever way whoever's making the movie wants them to. (laughs) I'm doing oh the my Ben Affleck. It's, it's, it's a Chris nerd rant. Yeah, uh, yes. right, yeah. I'm doing the Ben Affleck thing from from uh, Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Where I'm doing the the whole little figure thing over my hand, like fictional. They don't they don't exist. There's not a giant radioactive lizard. We like to pretend there's a giant radioactive dinosaur walking around, breathing fire and kicking ass. He doesn't exist. Okay, he's had so many variations. That's fine. As long as they make a movie, that's all I care about. Toho made a King Kong versus Godzilla movie. They made King Kong as big as Godzilla. Now, mind you, that Godzilla was not as big as the Godzilla in the current in the legendary film. He's still five times the size of King Kong in the actual King Kong movie, and yet Toho's like, "Yeah, that's not a problem. We're just gonna make him big." It's like, okay, and you don't see a problem with this? No, we're not. We're just kind of we're keeping the bits that work. So he lives on an island. There's a bunch of. you know, racist-looking natives, and, uh, yeah, he's just gonna, they're gonna fight. And it worked! People hail, I mean, that's one of the most, it's, it's still the most profitable Godzilla movie in the history of the studio. It is the movie that everyone knows, and it's the movie that actually has lore around it. Everyone, most people still think that there's two freaking endings to this movie. That Kong wins in the American one, and then Godzilla wins in the, in the Japanese one. It's like, no, they, there's one ending. Kong gets up, swims away. Bam! That's the ending. Now, <coughs> there is other... There's a slightly longer cut out there somewhere. But that's for another podcast for another day. So, of course, Thomas Tall, who loves King Kong, loves Godzilla, is like, um, yeah, we're making a brand new Kong film, not connected to any other Kong movies. It's not rehashing the same story we've seen three times already. We're going to do all the cool stuff that makes King Kong cool. He's going to be on an island. He's going to fight dinosaurs and other weird-looking monsters. That's what we're doing. That's what this movie's going to be. And as far as we know, that's what it is. The 
the, the thing that pushed everything into the point where the, the 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 Hollywood Reporter article said, yes, they are building a universe, and this is how they're doing it. So apparently, the new Kong film takes place in modern day, or at least close to modern day, and includes the Monarch um, uh, uh, secret organization that uh, Ken Watanabe was part of in Godzilla. So they're already tying in. It's not the same character. They didn't say of of if Watanabe and uh, Sally Hawkins were going to be in Kong, but they said the organization is mentioned and they are part of the film. So they're already built. It's already taking place in the same universe. So Kong exists in the same universe as Godzilla, and they've already said that they're making him. He's not going to be the size to climb a skyscraper. He's going to be the size of a skyscraper. So guess what? War of Legendary is just like, yeah, we're just going to make him bigger, and that's how it's going to be explained. So, there's going to be super giant dinosaurs, probably, super other giant monsters, and then eventually, as they said, it's going to go Kong Skull Island, Godzilla 2, and then a team-up film, or a versus film. Now, they mentioned team-up, which kind of alluded to, like, okay, there's going to be something even bigger coming on, which may either put Kong and Godzilla in a movie where they just fight each other, a la the new Batman-Superman movie, or they're building to some big super destroyer monsters esque movie, and Kong's gonna be part of it. Either way, they're gonna meet, and they're gonna meet soon. And uh, pretty much a little bit of hell has frozen over. And uh, at the time, it seemed like it was at the sacrifice of Pacific Rim too. Ugh. All right, I gotta catch my breath for a second. It's okay. It's it's a fun listening to you rant. This is what I do on a, on a daily basis. So th- this is everything I was going off on. Every, like the 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 internet was like silent like yesterday. It was it was weird. It was to see like everyone's like, uh oh, wow. So for the last twenty four hours, everything seemed grim. Right before Jessica and I sat down to hit record, a piece in Entertainment Week. Yes, came out. it did. Jessica, yes, please explain did. what this piece was. Well, basically, it's people talking to Guillermo himself, mm-hmm. and he said that the, the, the death of Pacific Rim 2 is greatly exaggerated. Mm-hmm. It's just been pushed back mm-hmm. uh, for a little while as he focuses and will be doing other movies in between. I take that, I, I'm really hoping that's true. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not just like a PR answer, because you don't want to wait too long in between. Mm-hmm. But also, he then says, you know, if I was a billionaire... I would make Pacific Rim 2, Hellboy 3, from the Mouth of Madness, the, the Mountain one. Mm-hmm. And he goes, and then I would be a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And that was like, that's such a good humorous way to see it. Mm-hmm. But that piece literally came out like, I was online looking for something. Five minutes in, I see it. And then me and Chrissy Eno are talking right now <laughs> on this podcast. And I was like, there's hope again. It's kind of like a weird roller coaster not a twisty one yeah maybe like goliath oh you know it's like a rickety kind of wooden roller coaster where it hurts when you're sitting Mm -hmm. and it just kind of goes up like the movie was great you went up and then you were sad when it was gone then you were just near the ground for a while just coasting waiting for for any sort of announcement then sequels two and three were announced Mm -hmm. and then boom you're back up high on the roller coaster and then you're like just going up. You just keep on going up because you're just waiting because they had like release years. They had years, kind of. I mean, they kind of knew approximately what years it was going to come out in. 
and then the year date. And then all of a sudden, huge crash. It was like the stock market or something Mm -hmm. where all of a sudden you just, you just found out, you just found out that it'd been halted because the Pacific room two is not happening. Don't pack, pack three, pack room three is not happening. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden that happens. And then Guillermo says that, and you kind of have, it's like that one little fast bump before the ride slows to the very end. Mm -hmm. It's like, you think the ride continues, but it actually it's just one last little roller coaster, like a little little segment roller coaster, and then the right end. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, oh my god, yeah. I mean, but here's the thing: there is there is a fan base for Pacific Rim. That is that that is well known. Um, the fact is that there's uh, what stuff is out there got, gets gobbled up. I, I I follow Nika on Twitter, and so the the guy that runs the Twitter does a lot of Q and As, and someone asks, it's like. Hey, what are your uh, what 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 are your top selling lines right now? And immediately, guys, like Pacific Rim, man, we cannot keep this crap in stock. Like, it's it's one it's one of our best selling licenses we have right now. So, <laughs> sadly, it, they were kind of running out of figures to make. I mean, they've already kind of triple dipped on Gypsy, uh, but they do make wonderful figures. I have the 18 inch. Um, Gypsy from the Hong Kong battle, and I'm getting Striker very soon. But uh, I mean, they have they they they're pretty much they got a few more kaiju's to make, and I think they're they've made all the Jaegers. So well, they were hoping. I think they were like, oh, good, there's a second movie coming out, more toys to make. It's like, oh, okay, what's gonna happen here? Um, it looks like right now, if we really want Pacific Rim two to really kind of get out there, it's going to have to, you know, people are going to have to pay with their wallets and buy all the Pacific Rim stuff that's out there. There's a new comic book coming out in a few weeks. Uh, Jessica, you know a little bit about that. Yes, yes. Uh, Pacific Rim. I think it's like, oh, I don't think it's Tales from Year Zero. Tales from the Drift. But it, it's Tales from the Drift, excuse yeah. me. And uh, it was <laughs> written by Joshua Theoho. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, Marco uh, Marco Oh my goodness, he is so. I feel so terrible, Marco Mars. Mm-hmm. I I just wanted to make sure I said his name. I didn't want to say Mraz from yeah. like Jason Mraz, the singer. Uh, Marcos Mars uh, drew it. He's down in uh, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, mm-hmm. and they did it. And the book should be coming out. So go buy it and sell it out. And uh, yeah, anything else is out there. Do and the biggest thing is the fact that. Go go see Crimson Peak because uh, apparently uh, <laughs> Universal's still iffy on that one. Much like they're apparently they're <laughs> they're very they're <laughs> excuse me. <coughs> you are so agitated with the Pacific oh, Rim now, news yeah, that you are just coughing. And I slept in my window open the other night when it rained. Oh jeez! So no, I'm fighting no, no, a no. sinus infection right now. Uh, so yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm coming out uh, over it, but yeah, I've still got a little bit of a, a little congestion going on in my head. But uh, yeah, prove that an R-rated horror film can do well. You can just go out there and see when it comes out next month. Uh, and uh, yeah, also kind of show you know Universal, you know, because they're kind of worried about uh, Warcraft too. They're kind of like uh, we don't know what yep, this is. Yep. So, but you know, part of it is also the movie's been in production for I think like three years now, and there's been like almost next to nothing shown outside of like Comic Con and BlizzCon. So, 
We'll see about that. That's Duncan Jones. So he's got a lot riding on him right now. Yeah. As does yeah. Legendary. So, I mean, Universals, they're like, yeah, we, we may, you know, you can keep, we'll keep cashing your checks. That's part of the problem. It's like, uh, just ride them for what we want to do. So, they're like, yeah, we got Fast and Furious. They'll keep us going. I'm like, mmm. Look, as much as I love Fast and Furious, except for the first two, <laughs> believe me, I'm, I unabashedly love everything from part three on. Uh, the reason why, I mean, they've all been doing, they've, they've all done better and better, but this one peaked at a, at a level of almost like they sold their soul to Satan to get that kind of wad. And part of it was because it was Paul Walker's last movie. So everyone's like, okay, how are they going to write him out? Uh, we'll see how eight does without Paul Walker, because he is half of those films. So, yes, he is. And we'll see how much uh, Vin Diesel really cares to keep coming back. Because these are improving once. Without both of them, uh, those movies really don't work. Um, you look at Part 2. Part 2 is not a good movie. Part 2 is a terrible movie. And as much as, you know, there are fans for it now, when Part 3 came out, Part 3 did very marginal, but it did well enough that they brought it back. But, you know, Vin was in it for, like, a cameo at the end. And, you know, then they magically worked it into it. But... That was a Fast and Furious film in name only for the longest time. It was the Han movie, right. and that's the movie I love the most. Because it's, it's actually about racing. They're drifting in Tokyo, Jessica. They take the engine yeah. out of a Japanese car and put it into the body of an American muscle car. Because they're magic. That's how it works. Does really work. You're like way. you're like that. That is the combination of, of a perfect person. Oh yeah, exactly. You, just, you put in the Japanese ingenuity into yeah. an American body. Yeah, there you go. Because uh. <laughs> that's how magic works. Like that. It's like, it doesn't really work that way, but still, you can't drift in a, a chassis that heavy. I know not a lot about cars, but I know enough that like an American muscle car is not going to drift down a mountainside like that. It doesn't work. It's too heavy. Oh, all right. Let's end on a uh, on a high note. We have winners from our contest from last time. Yes, we do. We so, do. So, what was it for, Jessica? It was for the wonderful Mike Vasquez. He mm-hmm. does Popzilla, mm-hmm. and he's also successfully funded on Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. He does regular your let's say kind of Pokemonish creatures, whatever. But then he makes them into Kaijus, mm-hmm. and they are amazing. Mm-hmm. And he has wonderful prints, canvases. He's got, like, tin ones. The new the new thing seems to be an artist alley, kind of a metal sheet. Yes. And they cost a little bit more. I wish I could grab them all. Mm-hmm. But he kind of makes them into a panorama, and they're great. Yes. And he's such a nice guy. I think this weekend he will be at Amazing Hawaii Convention, mm-hmm. Comic-Con. Yes. So, which is where a friend of ours, George Cadero from the Realm Cast, will also be at. Mm-hmm. And so he's there, and basically we had a contest. And people who won it, Chris knows, and he will get some of his amazing stuff. So our winners, which uh, hit us with the timestamp, which was uh, how late Jessica and I were, were recording that last episode. We're not recording it that late this time. We actually got it at an... Before the but before our bedtimes, we got it in early this time, Jessica. That's why we're much yeah, more. Yeah, we do. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went back and listened to it. Like you can actually hear me start dozing off at, at one point. So, uh, congrats to uh, Matt Jennings of Tracy, California. You won the grand prize and the uh, second place prize. 
is uh, Ron uh, Allard Jr. of uh, Central Falls, Rhode Island. Um, I have your stuff packed. It will be going out this weekend. So, Yay, congratulations. Congratulations, guys. Uh, for our second anniversary, I was going to do this as a separate thing, but you know what? I got a bunch of books laying here. Signed by the great Chris Mowry. That's how I refer to him now. From anytime I mention him, he's the great Chris Mowry. Not just Chris Mowry, the great Chris Mowry. So he uh, has donated to us a fat stack of Rulers of Earth comics that he has signed himself. So uh, I'm going to be giving away about five of them. They're just going to be random books. Um, there's going to be the random issues because it's like half a run. I don't have a full run in there. He he was he was gracious enough to give us what he had. So. Um, I'm going to kind of be doling these out over the next uh, few weeks. So for this this contest, for our second anniversary, uh, I, I want this. So the uh, first five people to, to write in and, and uh, tell me uh, what are the names of our very first three episodes. You're going to have to go back and look in the archives. But I want the names of our very first three episodes. I'm making it simple on you guys. So, it can't be too hard, but you're going to have to do a little... I, a, I want to know if you're listening, and B, I want to know that if, uh, you, you, you know, you're hearing the history of uh, our show. And mind you, uh, if you do listen to those first couple episodes, I'm a little saltier than uh, I am now. That's before we really kind of, like, even things out. So, listen at your own caution. But, I want the, the, the names of our th- first three episodes in order, and the first five people to uh, send them in to me uh, through our uh, email... We'll get a free Godzilla Rulers of Earth. It'll be a random issue. I, I can't guarantee you what issue you will get. But it will be signed by Chris Mowry uh, and be signed, still delivered into your mailbox in a few weeks. So, Jessica, where can the people send in that answer? Yes, for our email, it is the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast at gmail.com. So. That, and it's, it's, yes, it's, yes, that's that's our only email account. <laughs> yeah, it is, our, it is our only email account. So if you ever want to write us in, just to any feedback or anything, just you can hit us up there. Jessica and I both read the emails. We we answer everything. You know, that's us answering this. Not that we don't have some creepy guy in Minnesota answering it. So it is us. So if you ever want to write in any feedback or anything like that, you, again, you can always hit us up on uh, the Facebook or just just email us. We're 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 not shy. We will talk. We'll, we will hit up whatever. So, uh, again, the contest, uh, the first five, I will announce on our Facebook when the contest has ended, when the, the first five, uh, correct entries have been, uh, have been entered. And I will notify those people before I, uh, notify everyone else that the contest is over. So those who win will be notified before I make the final notification on our Facebook and Twitter page. So again, all you have to do, I want the names of our first three episodes and that's it. And you get a free signed comic of uh, Godzilla Rules of Earth from IDW, signed by the writer Chris Mowry. So, I can't... It, it's, it's a nice way to say thank you for listening to us for the, for the last two years, and hopefully we got many more years to come on us. So, yes, yes. It will only get even, even better. Yes, it will. Uh, we got all kinds... I got... I got oh, man, I'm working on some stuff. So, it's going to be awesome. All right, I think that's a good way to end the show. Jessica, where can yes. people find more of your work? More of me. Okay. Actually, you can go on Facebook, and you can always friend me at Jessica Sang, T-S-E-A-N-G. Feel free to 
send me an inbox message. I do check my other folder mm-hmm. now. Um, I send it a couple of people to let me know this is where you heard me or this is where we met. So mm-hmm. just want to make sure it's not like a rando, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> but I am also on Girl on Geek, littlegeekgirls.com, and also the comicbookgirl.com. All right, and you can find more of my work over at therealmcast.com, where I host a bevy of other podcasts, uh, including Take Two, where we talk about all the news in the week, uh, the rundown for The Flash, which is returning pretty soon. I know Jessica's excited. Yes. I'm quite excited. Yes, very uh, much. Jake Garrick's coming. He's coming. Ah. And uh, also the Legend of Korra podcast, too, uh, the rundown for that. And there's a, a pretty much I'm a, you know most of the new stuff that's going up there is me as well so do check that out and if you want to find more of us the Kaiju Kingdom podcast Jessica where can they find us? You can find us on Facebook as the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. Please click like, be our buddies, mm-hmm. and we love it whenever we see feedback from you guys and we answer. And thank you for all the lovely messages that we would get. We are also on Twitter as the Kaiju Kingdom. No podcast due to limit of characters. Mm-hmm. We are also on Tumblr on the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast.tumblr.com. And if you want to get, uh, if you want to see the most up to date stuff, it's our Facebook page because that's just the easiest one for me to manage right now. Just uh, I, I I try to update the uh, the Twitter as much as I can, but that's been kind of. Uh, Sadly, been uh, kind of pushed to the side. I I will keep updating whenever I can, but uh, do follow us on the Facebook on our Facebook uh, page. So that is where the most up to date stuff you will find us on. Uh, and the Tumblr, if you like tumbling, just follow us there too, as Jessica said. Alrighty, well that will do it for this edition, the second year anniversary edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. So for myself. <laughs> And Jessica, thank you so, so much. We have been on air for two years. Thank you to you all. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.